What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Ride Share Rodeo Gig News and Interviews. I'm your host, Steve. Let's get it on. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to a um, a rare Monday live. <laughs> we don't normally do these. Um, normally, I'm recording the podcast on Mondays, and David and I don't do our live thing till Thursdays. But this week and today, we we have gotten time with Stephanie. We were able to. Stephanie's actually tough to get like booked now. She's got an agent and stuff, and she's all big time, and <laughs> she's like turning into like some legit like uh, um, person fighting for our behalf. So I mean, it's cool. I like that. So uh, we're glad to have Stephanie. Stephanie, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on today. I think that's that's my legislative aid you went through. All everybody gets yeah. one, so you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, like it was. I, I appreciate it. I think it's cool. Like you know, like even you recognize it. We were communicating back. Stephanie and I were communicating back and forth, and she's like, "Maybe I should just let this go through my aid." Like, go through my aid. Yeah, like, I can't give up right now. Old, she's so yeah, good at the calendar. Let her do that. <laughs> so, for those of you who were able to make the town hall that we had this summer here in Denver. Um, David was there. Stephanie was there. You probably met Stephanie or you probably in passing at least saw her if you didn't meet her. I think most people met her. Um, but I feel like we, you know, a lot of people said, well, what did that really accomplish? And I feel like now we're at a point where it's like we can claim something. We can claim, well, it did accomplish something. And you guys should be doing the same. And like David and I have said many times, you know, we'll help you do that. We can't, that's, I can't, we can't guarantee you what we can do, but if you are looking to do something in your city, contact us. We might know some people. We, and if not, we'll still help you. We'll do what we can to get this out there. But yeah, like Cray Cray was there. So I know Cray Cray met, yeah, I know she met Steph. So like, did we accomplish anything? So I'm going to let Stephanie take us from why, you know, like when we did that town hall, it was because of initially Stephanie is a house uh, rep of rep Rep, reps here in Colorado um, from the Colorado Springs district. And she was trying to pass a house bill that didn't pass. So that's kind of why that idea of the town hall started. And then David and I said, let's, let's get this. Let's, let's bring Stephanie and let's, let's get some gig workers and let's make this happen and see what we can do. And then it was kind of like, well, what did we do? And I, I think that since then, and since the first bill, even I mean, there's, I'm sure you'll talk about it. Senator Priola, who was part of the not accepting the first bill is not, not to say he's totally jumped ship or something, but he listened to some people. We did make, we did make an impact. And I, I guess I'll let Stephanie take it from there on like how we got from what she thought of the town hall and how we got from there to here. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Steve and, and David for having me on. It's really good to, to see you guys again. Um, so yeah, last, I'll, I'll go kind of, I'm going to start kind of bigger picture about, um, you know, why, why I picked up that bill last year in the first place and kind of what, what I see as um, kind of our long haul goals in this industry that I, that I think are really worth fighting for. Um, so I came into this office, um, I got elected 2022, um, kind of like an underdog, uh, first time elected official. Um, and one of the things that I bring to this work that we don't have in a lot of our legislatures, and we certainly haven't had before in Colorado, is that I've worked in this industry, I've worked as a third party delivery driver. Um, and so I know like the driver's side of the app in a way that I know uh, my colleagues here just don't intuitively have and, and why would they? Um, and so it's something mm -hmm. that I think we all know from our conversations with people outside of this industry. They just have no idea what's going on. Um, and it's it's hard to, you know, like talking to some people when I got here, they were like, hey, like I just learned from you the other day that like y'all don't want to be employees. I thought that was the big move, mm -hmm. right? Is to like reclassify you as employees. And I was like, okay, if somebody's actually misclassified, yes, but like we aren't, that's not the dilemma here. Um, they're right. like, okay, well, apparently I have a lot to study on this. I said, yes, please, because we're trying to run a bill. Um, so we, we ran a Senate bill. It did die in, uh, die off in Senate committee. And as he was saying, um, one of uh, one of my uh, fellow caucus members, one of my fellow party members who's across the uh, the hall there, 
was like, you know, I just, I'm not sold on this bill, but like, I'm really intrigued by like the fight that, that you all are kind of digging into here. And I think the thing that he recognizes that more and more people are starting to is that gig drivers are really on the front lines of the transformation of work that we're seeing in this country right now, right? We're seeing so much more work go remote, on-demand, app-based, um, decentralized from shared workspaces. Um, and so if we don't, this is one of those things where I feel like if we don't get this right with the people who are doing it first um, and who are kind of like, like I said, like on the front lines of this change, um, then we kind of risk like big tech kind of just making off with our, our workplaces um, and the way that we like to work um, and kind of just forcing us all to be on this sort of gamified on demand uh, situation where we don't have any rights and they don't have to tell us anything and everything's in this algorithmic black box that no one's allowed to look into. Um, so that was the focus of our bill last year, but it kind of brought together everybody within that industry. So it had rideshare and delivery kind of all into one. And one of the big things that I felt would be more helpful this year and really tackling both of these major policy veins was to split those up. So I am carrying the bill uh, that that uh, handles the, uh, the DNCs, the delivery companies. Um, and then there's another bill that's starting in the Senate that is the transportation side. That's the one that actually Senator Priola is running. So he came out to the town hall last year. I was very pleased that he uh mm -hmm. that he made the time to come uh meet with drivers which, which, and to take a quick time out I, I got no yeah. i gotta say that even stephanie the day of the event said i don't think he's gonna show i'd emailed him she had like and she has the best way to contact him but like she was like i don't think he's gonna show so i got into this head so that he wasn't gonna be there but go ahead i was like we'll we'll see i was like i don't know if it's in his <laughs> schedule but i think he's willing at least it's a matter of whether or not it you know he can make it a priority because we always have stuff going on even during the interim um, but you know, to his credit, um, that uh, it, he's a smart guy. He's a smart guy and a very thoughtful guy. Um, and we had had a number of conversations on the phone as well last year, where I was just like, "Hey, I want to keep talking to you about this." You said you were uh, like into finding a way forward, and like I, I really appreciate that. So let's keep in touch. Um, and he's been uh, very, very willing to to step up to the plate and and carry the bill, which is just I think is such a great turnaround. So. Um, so yeah, we're approaching these in kind of in, uh, you know, one, one bill for one kind of type of app and a different bill for the other. Um, and, uh, once again, just really focusing on the companies being responsible to share the relevant information with the people who need to know it. <laughs> and primarily, um, you know, we're focused on the drivers and the consumers, um, having, having decision-making time, having enough information to make that decision. Um, and I, I think this has just been you know, and I, I keep I keep hearing this anytime I work with drivers uh, on on developing these bills. And when we all met, came together last year, like uh, there's a lot of discouragement. There's a lot of discouragement that uh, most of us, I think, when we got into this work, kind of felt like, all right, like we've tapped into something here. Like technology is actually working for me. It allows me to work for myself. It allows me to be flexible and kind of come and go with what work I want to be doing. Um, you know, I can kind of run my small business with, you know, 30 hours of the week and then, you know, drive for another 10 or 20 and, and not and still pay my rent. And that's great. Um, mm -hmm. But like increasingly, it seems like the companies are kind of figuring out um, how they can, how can they can kind of sink their teeth into our labor um, and extract more and more and more from it and give us less and less in return. And it's such a familiar pattern, right? We've seen this and, you know, this was uh, first the first machine age, right? Industrial revolution brought a lot of the same challenges. Like on the one hand, wonderful new opportunities, incredible new productivity, um, you know, technology delivering all of these like incredible results. And also, creating some new abusive situations that have to be that have to be reined in and, and i think we'll do it it's just going to be hard ai too it's in a perfect storm with ai so yeah. it's it's really a mess yeah yeah but I just, I think too, like we've got it, we've got to believe that, um, we've got to believe that if enough of us recognize that that's not fair and demand better for ourselves, like we can do things, we can do big, hard things. We have to be able to, right? Every working people who came before us for generations beforehand, uh, you know, had to, had to put up a fight because, mm -hmm. you know, really powerful entities, entities don't just, uh, don't just share and do what's right. Um, sometimes without, without somebody standing up to them. So Steph, can I ask something like practically is like, you know, how did this go? So from my perspective, it was like, you know, we were at this event, Senator Priola showed up and he was like, I'm here to listen. And I very much liked that. At first I was like, uh, at first I was like a little disappointed that he wasn't going to talk. Then I was like, you know what? He's like, I'm just here to listen. That was awesome. And during the event, I think one thing he said was basically like, uh, 
I just didn't know that much about this issue, right? You know, I'd made a decision, but you guys are adding some perspective. So to me, that was sort of this beautiful moment of I'm here to listen. I didn't realize this. I got smarter about the issue. I feel like that's rare in today's world, right? So to me, that's just sort of like beautiful thing. So he then leaves the event, you know, fast forward to now, there's this bill like, you know, I guess I have no idea how this works. Also, you, also you in there, David, that it was how, a Saturday. It was a Saturday. I mean, this is a guy. This is, I mean, guys, most congressmen aren't going to go out of their way on a Saturday for you. I'm just saying. Uh, but, you know, how does how does it work, Steph? Like, you know, how does, you know, how's the sausage made a little bit? Like, right, right. Well, you know, so I will say something know? about something about state legislatures in particular. And I'll, I'll always advise people to like, don't don't consider your state house anything like on par with U.S. Congress. Um, that is a dysfunctional organization that doesn't get anything done. Um, in my assessment of things, uh, state legislatures tend to be far more uh, productive, intentional and, and able to get able to take action action on, on major issues. Um, and I think most people, once they start to pay attention to their state legislatures at all, find that that's where most of the governing in this country is done. That's where most big decisions are, end up being made. So um, I, I was going to add to that, that exactly like, I mean, to be honest, they can set federal regulations, but really it's up to the states to decide to follow, tweak them out, whatever. So it is, yeah. this is, again, is why it's important that Figure out what's going on in your state. I'll I'll try and help you guys even if, if you got ideas about what might be going on. We'll look into it because it is time to fight. Politicians are listening. It's that time of year. That's why this is a good timing too. Politicians do listen right now. I mean, they should all the time. They they do, but they should listen right now very hard. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, for sure. Um, so like one of the, I think one of the things that um, isn't, isn't usually visible to the public, not that a lot of people, again, not a lot of people keep a close eye on their state house. So, um, but one of the things that's not often visible to the public is kind of this, you know, this like background of advocacy and lobbying energy. Um, and I'll just say like lobbying with a lowercase l is a pretty innocuous thing. It's just people talking to government leaders to ask them to do something or not do something. Um, and there's, you know, certainly all of these companies have lobbyists, but then also like we've got labor and towards justice and like, you know, great like pro worker advocacy organizations that are also lobbying on our bills. So like we kind of have to uh, do both. Right. Um, but I think the the thing that uh, ends up working out for most big lift bills like this is that we build a coalition with all of those folks who operate in and around the building um, and see who we can get around our way of thinking so that we'll have their support on a bill. Um, and if you can get that kind of support for a bill, it's a lot more um, it's a lot more reassuring and, and you feel much more supported as an individual legislator to say, OK, great, I'm going to go ahead and pull a title and we'll start drafting and I'll carry the bill. Uh, whereas like just sort of going on uh, going on solo and and you know, getting something on paper and hoping you can get the votes is just not just not how it's done. <laughs> so he's certainly been like really receptive to the conversations that that needed to happen with um, with labor and with just, you know, ordinary workers outside of organized labor. Um, there's a group called Towards Justice that's behind this. Um, some other, oh goodness, there's a Center on Law and Policy, I think is behind it, I might be misquoting. There's a number of these kind of like think tanks around here that are really into this kind of stuff, right? They're really interested in, you know, how does how does the future of work look? How does it interact with our economy? Like, does it, is it contributing to a future where like our work benefits us in our everyday lives and actually makes our families and communities stronger? Or is it just a new way so, for like corporate America to take all of our, <laughs> take all I, of our got, money got, from us? I gotta ask, so, I, gotta, I gotta ask you this at this point, like, so do most of the people that you speak with who are representing us, do they understand the growth of the app-based situation? Do they really get that? Because, I mean, like, as we learned at the town hall, he didn't even really get, he thought, you know, and this is my concern is that I think a lot of people, a lot of states, a lot of congressmen, they're getting letters from people who are like, listen, I can't make what these other people are making. I just want to be an employee. And so they're thinking, okay, everybody wants employment model because the only people who write are the people complaining. Right? Nobody ever writes, but like I think I was joking about this with you, Stephanie, before about nobody ever writes bang up job, keep it up, love it. Like it just doesn't happen. So I get like, a few of those once in a while. They're, they're very are, precious. But, I keep them in a special folder. <laughs> but are they like really up to date with not just the growth of, I mean, clearly the growth of technology must be pretty clear to them. And even if they're have, working with their staffers and stuff to have it explained, but do they really understand the boom of the gig economy globally? I, 
that's the thing. I don't, I don't think people do. And I, I have found, especially when it comes to, you know, sort of like resistance to technology, um, you know, accelerating at the clip that it is, people tend to fall in like the camp of either, um, you know, either like, oh, AI is dangerous and all this other stuff. So like, we need to just like shut it down, which is not a thing. You can't do that. Um, or they sort of have like this misplaced fear that like makes sense in sci-fi, but isn't the thing that's actually going to happen in real life, right? It's like the robot oh. o- overlord takeover or, or, you know, they're going to replace all of our jobs and then we won't, you know, we won't have any way to make money. And like, there's a certain, there's a certain legitimate fear there. Um, but I think like the under, like the, the scarier outcome that doesn't seem to be on a lot of people's radar is exactly this, right? It's everybody's, everybody's job getting appified, right? It's not like your job getting replaced by AI. It's you having to work for an AI manager. Now it's, you know, your job being determined by algorithm. Um, it's having, you know, all of the good paying jobs by far. Yeah. Yeah. It's having, you know, all of the good paying jobs that people went out and got college degrees for, because we were told like, Hey, go out and get a college degree and you'll have one of the great jobs, like good for you. Um, those are the ones that are going to get automated. And meanwhile, like we actually do need people to like clean toilets, pick fruit, you know, cook, clean, get, care for people. Right. Um, and those jobs should pay really well. Toilets, y'all, but... huh? <laughs> she didn't mean to start with toilets, but okay. I did it, but whatever, you know what I mean? Right. Like we need people to do all the hands-on stuff. And that's the thing. Yeah. Those are things that actually need to be done, but we've undervalued that labor and treated those people like they don't count for anything. Um, even while like we agreed that this is essential work all through the pandemic, we said, well, those are the people who can't not go to work. We need you to like make food, deliver food, clean things. Um, yeah. and now we want to go right back to saying those jobs are disposable and that's, that's actually the stuff we need people to do. So, you know, somehow we're going to have to turn this balance, uh, back around to where like, if we actually value hard work, we should pay for it. <laughs> and if we actually value essential labor, we should treat it like the people who do it are not, in fact, disposable. Um, but we're not we're not there as long as I think as long as um, as long as people just accept it. If you take it lying down, they'll just. I mean, I think nursing is like the best example. Nursing is just like, oh, we have to have you. We don't have enough during the pandemic. Please come in. People applauding them when they left. And now they're back to 19,000 a year. And quitting everywhere. It's just like, really? Like. How did things flip that quick? And like, what happens, you know, what happens after you treat them that way now? And then the next global pandemic's in a year, like, you know, then what? Then they're all like, hey, I'm not going to help you this time. You know, forget this. I, I don't know. I feel like you're, I feel like you're hundred percent right. There's people respected the service industry more than they ever have during the pandemic. And I feel like not only did they go, retract back to how they used to treat it which a lot of people still treat good i feel like they've gone way back like man i tipped you guys a lot during the pandemic so i'm gonna like i'm gonna be very critical and i'm gonna tip less and i'm gonna and i know we're going through high inflation and many other factors but i honestly feel like people's attitude is coming out on the wrong people often it's um it's yeah. scary to be honest. Yeah, no, that's often the case. And I, you know, some of the conversations we end up having with, um, you know, with people who have, I, if, you know, from their perspective, and I'll, I'll give them credit for this, like they, that's genuine, it's genuine concern about, you know, for instance, if people um, are able to like accept and decline, this, these are folks who don't know how the apps work in the first place, right? Like they're just not familiar. They're just not familiar with it. They haven't had to do it. Um, you know, like, oh, if people can like turn down offers and whatever, because they see, you know, what neighborhood it's in or they whatever, like they'll start turning down offers that don't pay as much because, you know, they're from poor people or they'll start turning down offers that they think are like in a bad neighborhood or whatever. Like, you know, we're supposed to have the right to say no. Like that's, that's what makes, that's what makes it independent contract work. The irony of that was, that was the Uber talking point, right? I mean, that was the talk that we used when I was at Uber and it's, it's been so effective. It's still working. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, you know, thankfully, if you can kind of have like some intentional conversations with people who have like a good faith concern that like, they're worried about that their district or their community or whatever are going to hurt in this way. Uh, we always kind of come back to like, well, nothing is stopping the companies from incentivizing people to go take deliveries that are otherwise not attractive. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, like the, if the whole point is like, 
we're supposed to, you know, like say yes to what you want, turn down what you don't want. Um, because otherwise, yep, because otherwise we would have to acknowledge <laughs> that you're like on the clock, right? If you're on the clock, you mm -hmm. work for a certain amount of time and you have to take all deliveries, then now you're not an IC. So, um, so they're going to have to pick one of these, right? We've talked about, you know, having your cake and eating it too. They don't get to do that. Um, and they've kind of been playing both sides of that for so long. Um, we kind of at some point had to be like, hey, listen, like corporate America loves nothing more than for poor consumers to be pitted against unpaid, underpaid workers. Right. Oh, um, yeah. And we're the same people. Most of the time, we're the same people um, <laughs> or at least live right next door to each other. So like mm -hmm. we're all in the same boat. They they are not in the same boat as we are and they know it and they kind of pit us against each other and we, Look, we no, nobody, just so we're thing. all clear, nobody's watching this podcast that doesn't understand there's a class system in this country. <laughs> like, I'm just making a point. Oh, you know, man, we don't yeah. like it, but it exists. I mean, it exists. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I'm kind of of the school of thought as well that it's, it's almost worse for it to like be there, but we're not supposed to name it, you mm -hmm. know? <laughs> so. Yeah, David, did you have something else? Sorry, I'm I'm, too, I'm, I'm popping off. You guys gonna be talking about no, this I've stuff? No, I've, I've been loving it. I think on my end, it really is. Uh, tell us about the bill, right? So both of you. Yeah, that's what, was, that's what I was. That's I was just about to ask too. Like, like what's, what is what's the what bill? Is, what is it? Yeah. And and before yeah. she says that, though, I do want to say, like, our like one thing, unless she's changed it, that I really appreciated, and why David and I really first connected with Stephanie and were doing these with her was because they weren't doing what some of the other states and cities do asking for certain amounts of money. Not only do I think that's a bad idea, I think it's a bad idea because you're setting a, an amount that won't get renegotiated for years. And that amount doesn't apply for more than a month. And, and that's not the only reason. I just think those are the wrong tactics. I think you first need to get everything in place about what are we, who are we, and what are our rights, then pay can start structuring. But go ahead, Stephanie. Yeah. Tell, tell, us, yeah, what the, tell us what the new bill, we don't even need to talk about the old one, what the new bill has in it, what, you're, what you would love to see. And Yeah. So I'll, I'll say this. I'm going to talk a little less about the TNC bill, about the ride chair. I'm going to talk because that's the one I'm carrying and I'm most like in the weeds with. And I'm mm -hmm. going to encourage you to do another episode and, and bring on uh, some of our folks who are carrying the, the TNC bill, either Senator Priola or, or one of our, um, our house reps who's carrying it. But so we really, you know, like I said, we really focused on transparency. We really focused on like driver protection, the right to know things. Um, one of the uh, one of like the really um, I'll say non-negotiable, not entirely non-negotiable because we're willing to flex a little bit. Um, but one of the things that we really are determined to keep in the bill is adequate uh, task acceptance time. Um, and this was something we didn't introduce in last year's legislation because like I came onto the bill like kind of when I got elected and some of it had already been in process. I said, you know, one of the things I don't know if we've considered putting in the bill, but like drivers have enough time to make a decision. They like they really should like, I, I don't know, like say it's two minutes or something and we can be a little bit flexible on that. But um, when you have really limited decision making time and you don't want to lose your, you know, your opportunity to earn in case, you know, in case it's a good one, you'll find yourself saying, yes to things you haven't had an opportunity to think through um and i just don't feel like that's that's fair to the driver and it's not safe in live traffic right and we're always you know like you know it's on the mount it's on the thing we're not driving around with a handheld device and plus colorado is about to pass a law this year banning mm -hmm. handheld devices while driving so um let's let's figure out how this is going to sync up with a delivery economy that has drivers taking on-demand offers um in real time while they're operating a motor vehicle um, and of course, we know, you know, we kind of uh, kind of been back and forth with, you know, stakeholders about this. We we started out kind of, uh, yeah, de delivering with Ellen saying that it, it is a safety issue. Um, and I think, you know, even if it doesn't like cause a wreck or cause, you know, cause that issue, the fact that you are trying not trying to drive safely while you're trying to make the decision influences your ability to make a, a sound decision. Um, and you know, I, I in my mind, Not it's pretty mention, obvious why delivery gets a minute, rideshare gets about 10 seconds. Just saying, that's even more messed up, yeah, because you're, you're yeah. always driving, so you're in, yeah. You're, and the, the TNC so. bill, right? Yeah, so I mean, the I know TNC we're talking bill, about the they did I, end I up kind of negotiating away the decision, that really, yeah, points out the danger part, yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, the TNC bill, they kind of did some other negotiations with the companies and ended up dropping uh, decision time, uh, task acceptance time. Um, but we've really held firm to it on the delivery side for a variety of reasons. And in my mind, it's just the complexity of the decision. I think when you're, you know, picking up, picking up a passenger and dropping them off, not that it's not relevant, you need to know distance, you need to know kind of whatever, but you're not factoring into that, like the merchant, um, you know, whether or not it's multiple merchants you're picking up from, you know, what has your experience been with wait times at that place? And do you need to kind of make that calculation? Um, and it's just not, it's, you just need a little, you need a little bit more time to think that through without, without feeling pressured to say yes, yes or no. And let's be real, pressured to say yes. <laughs> and uh, in a snap judgment kind of moment. So, um, so I mean, before you move have forward, also um, a, a pretty significant Real quick, okay. before you move forward, though, I got to ask you, so what do you what is your new thought on the DoorDash thing now then? Because now the same thing that we knew they needed to take away, they they didn't not only take it away, they added more tiers. They've got the 50, the 70, the 80, the platinum, the diamond, the acceptance rating matter, which I mean, again, those are factors in when you're you don't want an order like you just said, and you only have a certain amount of time and you're like, uh, but my acceptance like. That shouldn't even be a factor. It's not a factor of an independent. I mean, I guess I'll let you continue. But if you have a way to play that into yeah. it, too, because I know the listeners want to hear that because that is. Yeah. And I'll and I'll say I'm I'm a little bit um, I'm I've been a little bit out of the loop with the driver experience on DoorDash because I haven't actually been behind the wheels basically since I came to office because I've been at this job actually keeps me pretty busy. Um, and I know they were like starting to do some of those like tiering and all of that when I was still when I was still behind the wheel. Um, and I haven't actually had the driver's side experience of it since they really started doing all that. And I think it's like just it's wild. Right. It's wild how. Yeah. Um, how much sophisticated technology they have in order to get drivers to do what they want them to do. Um, but when we kind of get into, have gotten into this with them, we're like, well, why can't you say more things on the screen and do it safely and give them enough time? And, you know, how can you not like come up with, um, you know, accurate like mileage predictions and things? You know what I like? Um, mm -hmm. And they're, they're sort of like, oh, that's a big lift, you know? And they, they've made the same argument. David, you've talked about this too, right? Like Uber does very similar things, right? Like, oh, well, our technology just doesn't allow us to do yeah. this, that, and the other, right? Like, it's that's just too big of an order, right? It'll doesn't take us years, it, it'll cost can, millions. We can calculate and it's your... like, yeah, but like we remember it like the height of the yeah so my internet's a little choppy i was like yeah but we can do this real Sorry. time against you and penalize you real time uh -oh. if we wanted to but you can't you know what i've always said is like the para app features should be baseline for the apps right why don't you just make it so that you know how you solve the problem is you yeah, just you allow people, people to set everything. auto decline show people everything or, and, and, allow and them be to honest auto how about honesty decline. honesty yeah. be good so you get companies out there listening no joke <laughs> like Quit hiring people to hide the honesty. Just let them go. Get rid of those departments and just be honest. I think you'd be shocked at yeah. what you'd learn. Yeah. I'm sorry. I get a little. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, what, what that tells me is that, yeah, no, exactly. No, you're, you're right. I mean, I think what it tells us is that um, keeping that information secret is actually very valuable to them. It tells me that they are getting a lot of, they are making a lot of money, taking a lot of money um, by getting drivers to say yes to offers that aren't great and convincing consumers that the reason they're overpaying is because we've been greedy um, and, and kind of like manipulating both sides of that. Um, and it must be worth it to them. They wouldn't pay whole departments to come up with that if it wasn't giving them uh, there's one thing i'll always trust a for-profit business to do is to look out for their bottom line they wouldn't do it if it wasn't worth it if it wasn't profitable to do that so that tells me that actually it is it is a very powerful thing for you to like know where you're going how long is it going to take you to get there how much time is it going to take you to complete the job and do i do i know enough do i have enough information to say yes or no um, and i recall during the you know like the the height of the para wars right with like you know <laughs> like recoding and relaunching their app at like two in the morning every few weeks or whatever it was like don't tell me you can't recode something in a reasonable amount of time like don't don't tell me you can't share enough information without without violating your contracts to at least like allow drivers some some fair decision making capacity of course you can right if they want to they will 
Clearly they can because if they want to, hey, they will. David, how many people were on the engineering team at Para at that time? Because that many people were offsetting it all the time. Yeah, on my <laughs> end it was on my, uh, on, on my <laughs> end it was sort of, on our end it was almost sort of crazy too because you could see that they'd actually preempted what we would do and would have something waiting because we'd see the answer up here to like one percent of the driver population, then five percent of the driver population, then twenty percent. So there's the, you know there's a whole system that was going with that basically. So yeah. I think we lost Steph for a bit, but we have lifting with Larry. Amen to hey, that. What's up, Larry? Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. It is it, to me. I mean, these are teams, you guys. These are teams that are not necessary. You know what I mean? There we go. Let me. Let me. Sorry, this. it kicked me out for a minute, but I'm back. Uh, yeah. No worries. You're you're missing yeah. that lifting with Larry, who's saying amen to that for you. So I mean, <laughs> so. Are we? Are, is your mindset still in? Let's not add dollar value to this, but more. Let's because I loved it so so much. We haven't even hit on really some of the things that I loved. Like when we talk about transparency, David, Stephanie, I all agree. We want not only want, but as as if they're going to call us independent contractors, look it up, guys. You're you're owed to know all the information. You're owed that. I mean, it's a must. But Stephanie didn't include dollar amounts, but not only did she say, hey, listen, or the first bill, hey, listen, the drivers need to see everything. It was the customers need to see everything. And that's huge. So I think that's still being pushed in this one, correct? Yes. So there's so there's kind of a few few major components of this. Um, I'll say like kind of four four policy sections. One of them is everything that the driver is entitled to know. So there's kind of like a you know, uh, here's what has to be on the screen, what has to be made available to you um, in order to to decide to accept or decline an offer. And then also like after your, um, after your, you know, block of work, whatever is done within 24 hours, you need to get kind of an itemized breakdown, like your customer paid this, um, here's what we paid to you, here's how much tip you earned, the tip went to you, all of that stuff. So that you have a running record without needing to like, you know, take a screenshot of every suspicious order, which right, how many of us have done that? Mm -hmm. right regularly um filled with screenshots that i probably need oh to yeah <laughs> oh yeah um and then there's a the consumer side right anywhere where they're prompted to leave a tip they need to be you know get like a here's how much your driver is being paid by the company to begin with right mm -hmm. um and then they also need a whole uh you know a whole breakdown of you know where where their money went basically they need to get an itemized receipt at the end as well yeah. right so you you paid such and such for your total order like you know all of this went to the merchants here's what uh you know here's what we took for our service fees and whatever here's how much your driver was paid Here's something, you know, give them that whole thing. So that's kind of the other one. Um, the third section is actually a little bit more about safety considerations. So part of that is the, the task acceptance time. Um, mm -hmm. And then we're also going to start requiring them to uh, give some basic give some basic directions to consumers about when they've placed an order for delivery. Make sure that your driver has a clear, safe, well-lit path and that there are no pets loose. Like stuff like that because we've had so many drivers talk about like why doesn't the company take it seriously that like we might not be safe when we get there and the consumer has not really thought that through because it's just you know you're just sort of you're not visible to them right you're on the other yeah. side of the app we have all this contactless delivery now so i just it's just not top of mind for people um and you really should get some kind of alert on your app when you're a consumer that's like hey turn on your porch light make sure there's nothing people are going to slip or trip on and Keep your dog behind the door. Right? But you know, Stuff you like know that. why that you know why they don't though, because they don't want to remind people who are customers that, and this is true. If a DoorDasher, even with a light on or off, trips on your sidewalk and breaks their leg, they can sue you. So, like, they don't want to put. I mean, they they think of it like people know that, so let's not put it in their face. I'm not defending it. I agree because I think it needs to happen. I mean, I, I you I don't know how many other cities are like this. Stephanie lives in Colorado Springs. I live in Denver, but she knows Denver. Most people, even in any neighborhood, don't have porch lights. I mean, some of them don't even physically have them. They're not only out. And I'm not just talking about bad neighborhoods. Good ones do. Like older houses just don't have them. Yeah. And I mean, I think our, our push has been just sort of like, like, just take, take some initiative as like the company that, that runs this whole platform 
to ensure that people are taking their driver safety seriously, right? Like just don't don't allow, you know, don't allow consumers to be like, oh, I didn't realize you couldn't find my door or, you know, um, I didn't I didn't realize it's icy out front. And I haven't done anything about that yet, you know? So there, I think that those safety considerations were important to people. And um, frankly, like the companies have been really receptive to that of all of the things they've asked us to negotiate on the bill. They, they, were, they were like, you know what? We're fine with that. That's cool. We can do that. So, so that's good, right? It's something we can come, we can meet in the middle on. Um, yeah. And then the other, the other portion of the bill that I think is really, really important. Um, and I know we're working. There have been some amendments coming on the TNC bill, and I, I will kind of see how this shakes out on both bills. But um, we're going to require some disclosures to uh, the Division of Labor Standards and Statistics, so that um, companies that operate in the state of Colorado who do the delivery service and all that, that they're providing kind of some, some overview. And we've got like a really long list of uh, data points that we want and some of them will be negotiable as we as we proceed through the process proceed through the process that's a sentence um kind of giving um giving the department of labor and the division of labor standards and statistics something to work with to kind of assess like how is this industry working out for Coloradans, for consumers, for workers, for small businesses and large businesses alike? Um, how how is it working? How is it going? Because we can't just keep coming back to this conversation with like, well, who's to say who's actually sitting sitting on call for hours at a time, not getting orders, but being treated like they're on the clock anyway, right? I'm like, well, but we we could actually measure that, but we have to we have to be able to like you know, have data on the situation. Um, you know, they, they want to, they were really pushing back, um, I think, you know, a couple of years ago about, or last year, about, you know, this idea that there are some number of drivers that are like seriously out there working for like five bucks an hour right now because mm -hmm. they get onto the app with like, there's not really a lot of barrier to entry and they figure like, okay, there's like this thing, you can go make money delivering food, I'm gonna try it. Um, they say yes to everything because they've been told that if you say yes to everything, you'll get perks. We all know that's a scam, but they don't know that yet. Um, and so they end up just sort of working like these, you know, 10 to 12 hour days and like not barely even making rent still. And like, you know, they really push back against that. Like, oh, no, no, our drivers make on average, you know, such and such dollars per hour. I'm like, well, then then let's let's prove it. Let's all just put let's all just put the information out there about who's working, how many hours, how much are they actually making? Um, we but require I, I think uh, much we, higher I, I, standards of people in other industries. We should we should have the same for folks who do this. I literally think that they use. I mean, I know drivers who do this when they post their earnings. I literally think when they say those kind of comments, they use active time, not dash time. Let's just pick on DoorDash. I literally think they're like, well, no, we make, they make 30 an hour. Yeah, they were active for 30 hours and they were on the app for 60. So no, 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 they did not. They made 15 an hour. Right. And I, and I think this is, this is the important thing too, though, for us to be able to like have the data and, and pick it apart, right? Because as you say, like if they're not counting the downtime, then, then that doesn't count. Alternatively, mm -hmm. they could say, and I would consider this fair pushback, like, well, that's what they're making on our app for the amount of active time. What if they're running multiple apps and any good gig driver knows you run more than one app if you can? Um, or, you know, are they maybe like doing another job that they can do on the move and and they're, they actually are generating income some other way that's not no, on this app I, while I, they're on that I, downtime, right? I, and so I, like I, we, I, but. Uh, but, so like since that's fair pushback, um, you know, my challenge to that to them then with this has been like, okay, like if that's the case, then like then let let's get the date, let's get the data. Let's get the data registered somewhere where we can all like yeah. look at it, know what we're dealing with. Um, and you also, know, if let's, rules let's need to change again the in the future, if we need to come back at this and, and reassess the bills we passed this year, then yeah. we know what we're working with now. But also let's look at the data of drivers who do only do DoorDash. It's since they're claiming multi-apping, guess what, guys? Not everybody does. We tell people to because you'll learn better, but there are people who sit on DoorDash only. So we can use that data any day of the week against them because go ahead. Okay, you're going to, well, how much are they making? 40 an hour, huh? How many hours did you work? I was 10 active on 40 hours. Okay, how much did you make? Well, I made $4 an hour. I mean, it's like, it's mind blowing how they twist that and how the perception of people is very quickly to believe the story of the corporation. I'm just saying, you know, like, I yeah. mean, it really, yeah. I really have a feeling that data comes from active time. I don't think they ever put it because of what you're saying. In fact, the multi-apping factor, 
Well, you're you're an independent contractor. It's funny how you guys loosely use that word because we're an independent contractor in every si single situation where you want us to be one. And then there's a lot where we're literally, and that's why I was bringing up the acceptance rate, the tiers. I didn't even mention earned by time. I mean, earned by time is you can only miss one per hour and you'll make 18. That's an hourly, that is a W-2 job right there. I mean, you're not right, supposed to. Right. No, I mean, we're if they want to do it that the way, then yeah. We want, we're supposed to be able to have control over the orders we want. They have done, I mean, they've like, I would have thought this year they would have backed off and started kind of trying to play ball a little bit. They're like putting more out there. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, the, the interesting thing about, I think about, the, you know, you're talking about like using the tools you want to use and all that sort of thing. Like, yeah, but like we're we're sort of in like this like brave new world of of you know technology. I know Steve, you and I have talked about this. You you were a freelancer way back in the day before any any of this was yeah, you know yeah, uh, on, online. Yes, yeah, tradition. <laughs> that's right. Um, and like as long as there has been like wage labor of any kind, there's always been like temp work, day labor, odd jobs, mm -hmm. right? Like we that's always been there. But this like really takes it to a new level where like every individual job that pops up on your screen is a contract unto itself. That's that real. That's what really complicates it. I think that's what really complicates it. Yeah, but so, like David, um, would you, you know, ever uh, take a DoorDash job? had a you know a, a ruling that was not not in their favor some years ago around this. So, oh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna, I was just gonna say to David, like, okay, David, if you were a plumber and you're bidding a job with a contractor, and you're like, I can do it for this, and he comes back and he says, Hey, I can pay you fifty dollars. And I and I'll pay you at least five dollars more, but it might be a lot more. Are you doing the job? No, right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, uh, so I mean the point I, there being, you need every detail. You want to know to the cent what it is. Yeah. No. So I have a, a question for Steph, which is, uh, I remember last year it was sort of transparency, but the person who's ordering would be able to see the breakdown and who goes to the rest, how much goes to the restaurant, how much goes to the worker. So this time around, it's less of the consumer sees the full breakdown, but sort of somebody's able to see the full breakdown, which is the sort of department that has the statistics. Is that correct? Or well, she was saying before, uh, it's actually it's actually both. So the consumer see. will still get an itemized receipt, um, but we're also asking for from the companies. Right. Oh, that's that's huge. That's huge. Yeah, I just wanted to. Uh, I think I think that's bigger than the breakdown to the drivers, to be honest, because finally people are starting to get the buzz that they never got before. Like everybody thought, "Hey, man, I paid fifty bucks for that. You're making at least forty of that." They did not understand that the driver was making two. Yeah, to me, I think that's sort of like the most powerful part of all of it. And I know that's probably going to get a ton of pushback. And I was going to go to like, you know, what's been the feedback on that? I know it's probably not too much you can say. But to me, is like, as I, you know, I'm not that old, but as I get older, I realize there's hard, you know, most problems are hard. But the solution to hard problems is sometimes a simple solution. And to me, this is like the easiest solution to a lot of problems. It's just letting people know what the fair breakdown is. Uh, so, does it have a chance, Steph? Like, how, how how does that look? Basically, what what do you think of honesty? <laughs> yeah. Our audio got all garbled there for a minute, so I think I, I missed a couple of sentences, but it sounds like we were in agreement. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I was saying, I think that's, like, the most powerful part of it, and I think where I was going was, like, it's such a simple answer that solves a lot of problems, and it's a, such an important piece does it stand a chance? I guess that's what I was asking. Like, you know, does that part, you know, will it survive? Is there a chance that we can get that across? You didn't guess it. I feel like I lost, I lost you again with the audio. I'm sorry. Oh no. No, no. Let me, are you hearing you would, me? You would think our, it would be a lot, uh, a lot better in this building. And it actually is not. Um, right. If there was a question in there, I missed it, but um, David, you can put it in the if you can put it in the private chat. Maybe she could read it. Um, and I'll just quickly say, hey, Derek. Uh, hi, Ivanaska. Um, who else has joined us here today? Hi, Ellen. How are you? Hey, Larry. Great video. Thank you for sending that. Um, hi, Chris. Hey, Dave. How are you? What's up, Thunder? How you doing? Um, 
and uh jerry i love i love how he changed his name jerry doesn't yeah. do doordash hey, anymore hey hey even oscar we have even oscar here too always good to see yep, you yep. yeah but this this is pretty funny so it used to be jerry does doordash <laughs> jerry doesn't do doordash anymore <laughs> okay so you guys, I, I mean, if you, well, she's going to come back. We're going to hopefully get through the question David posted. And if you guys have any questions, please put them in right now. Cause I don't think we have her too much longer. So um, she, here she is. We got her back. So you guys, we have about like eight minutes left. So if you have a question, please okay. put it in the chat. And Stephanie, if you can see it, David, I think put the question in the private chat. Yeah, no, I saw that. Yeah, no, I, I think that I think the consumer transparency is actually one of our our big selling points of the bill for like the I think for the average person who's you know maybe doesn't fully identify with the driver's needs or experience. You know, not not that they're like not sympathetic, but that it just doesn't they don't relate to it. Um, they definitely I think are interested in being like, yeah, why is it like you know I order some Thai food, it's forty bucks, and like I keep hearing that the drivers aren't making enough money. Where is my money going if not to them, right? Yeah. So that yeah. Yeah, I think I think that part has a stands a strong chance. So, and sorry, I keep no, no, out. no. I no I mean, hopefully, no. hopefully, I'll make it eight so, more minutes. <laughs> so, okay. So while while we're wrapping this up, though, because a lot of people are asking David and myself, um, emailing us, getting us during lives about like, hey, how serious is this? Or hey, I, you know, I would I would be willing to form something in my city. In all, I mean, we didn't we didn't discuss this at all. This answer, but I'm gonna just ask you straight up. In all reality, what was what power would you put behind what we did this summer? I think it was really helpful for. Um, I think it was really helpful for like kind of drumming up some energy around the issue that we can do things at a state level that are very impactful. And again, like most of it's going to be at a state level <laughs> um, yeah, because we have you yeah. know limited reliance on on the federal system right now. Mm -hmm. um, and that like kind of I think kind of like that coming together of all the all the different minds around this topic was really persuasive for um, you know for a legislative member, one of my colleagues who you know just wasn't in the know before. Um, I think it really like there's a certain kind of lobbying like in the building here that I think is always always just lands better for people. And that's when people show up with their lived experience. No one's paying them to, to you know, represent a company or a specific industry. They're just like, hey, like this bill is coming. Um, you know, here's how my experience relates to it. Um, and what, why, why it's so important for you to vote yes, um, or for you to reject this hostile amendment or whatever, right? Um, one of my, uh, one of my colleagues who sits on the uh, business and labor committee that'll hear this bill uh, in the house. Um, and I, I don't think he was, you know, like leaning away from voting for it, but he was a little like, yeah, I'm still looking into the bill. I kind of have to think about it. Um, I saw him later in the day. He was like, oh, I met your drivers in the lobby. This is, this is an easy yes. This is an easy, this is a good bill, right? <laughs> so like, Sometimes you just kind of have to talk to people who are like on the, you know, the experiential side of things. And I think mm -hmm. if you, you know, if you can kind of um, get some, get some momentum and energy going with fellow drivers, it, it benefits the companies so much for us to not talk to each other, right? Like nothing works better for them than for us to feel isolated from each other or to treat each other as competitors um, or, you know, even enemies, uh, you know, competing for jobs. Like they love that. They eat that stuff up, man. That's how they, that's how they get us, honestly. <laughs> so kind of having drivers come together. Um, oh, Craig, you make such a great comment because we've talked about this, <laughs> but like, I need to get back behind the wheel. So here's what happened is that when the year that I was running for office and, and, and won my first run in 2022, I broke my foot like uh, like some number of weeks before uh, before the ballots even dropped. Uh, and so I was kind of like, okay, well, I'm definitely not driving again for a while. And I just kind of haven't gotten back out there. And I thought I should probably work in some time this year to get to get back behind the wheel just to kind of just to stay fresh and generate a little income during the interim. But um, we've talked about this, that maybe, maybe we should uh, have some people come on a ride along and just see like, this is the pace of the work. This is, this is what, you know, getting like six bad offers in a row looks like, right? Um, or, or, I mean, would it be yeah. completely out of line to take other live streams of people who do this every day? I mean, pick a good one and show somebody, Hey, this guy here, look and clip it up and yeah. say, I would love like a, Hey, go out and work for three hours and dinner is whatever you made. You can buy dinner with however amount you made basically. Right. To sort of like, 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know if people would sign up for it, but that would be awesome. Right. I feel like the only, be, the know. only way that works though, is if it's not like on the level that like the CEOs do it. Cause we know they're not put in the general pool. You have to be in the general pool. You have to see what it really is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, otherwise it's yes. And they, I mean, and they have this whole thing at DoorDash, they pride themselves that all their executives go out and, you know, dash mm -hmm. every once in a while. It's like, yeah, but also like, you're not going out. You're also not going out like dashing for your rent and utilities. Right. Yeah. So like, even if you are in the general pool, and as you say, I don't believe that they are, I don't buy that for a second, but even if they were, mm -hmm. um, the pressure isn't on for them. If they go dash for a couple of hours as part of the requirement of their otherwise desk job. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I, I, We'll just add this like and i thought this was so powerful and i our, our leadership in the house is actually really great um our uh, speaker of the house after um after a uh just cause for eviction bill didn't didn't make it last year we passed it at the house but it didn't proceed um she agreed to go visit um eviction court with one of my colleagues who's an ev eviction defense attorney um just to sit in and listen in the, on the docket what does it look like and who shows up there and what are their experiences um and it moved her so deeply that she was just like let's get this done next year like this this needs to happen. We can't let this fail next year. Um, people need protections against unreasonable evictions. And like that, that really, like that really helps people like go, go be there where something is actually happening and, and, um, and, and learn how it, it, how it impacts the most vulnerable people. But can you, can you at least say this to people, honestly, now that, cause Stephanie was one of us, she was a, she was a gig worker. She got elected. She's, I mean, she's still one of us, but she, She's now an elected official in office. Um, do do these do these reps get like I was talking about in the beginning? Do they get pretty much only these bad emails, and therefore they're like, "This is what everybody must want." Because I guess my point is, like, is our I think it is, and I think I learned a couple things this summer on the importance of my voice. Because I used to kind of get into that lost part of like, my voice doesn't get heard. Come on. Do people's voices get heard in just, I know it's a very loaded question, but in a quick answer, do you now believe that now that you've been on the other side? And she froze. <laughs> wow. Worst. Keep it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, let's keep the suspense. Let's keep the suspense. <laughs> Sorry, I just killed my video for a minute to make sure I didn't okay. like lose okay. your uh, lose you entirely. Um, so that's, yeah, there we go. The seal of Colorado will speak for me for. Oh, I love that it's sort of like pulsing, like the seal is speaking. Yeah. This is brilliant. Um, no, so here's something that happens a lot in this in this work is that we get a lot of people use like those one click emails you know, send this form letter to your legislator kind of things. Mm -hmm. And those, honestly, they kind of fall into the background for us just because you're getting thousands of one-click emails doesn't mean that that's how a lot of people actually feel. Um, so I always encourage people and you, man, Steve, you put it so well, like use your voice, like it's so much more impactful. I mean, be, be relatively brief, right? Because we get so many emails, there's only so much time, but like, you know, leave a voicemail or send an email to your member. If you're in Colorado, please look up, go to leg.colorado.gov, find your legislator, contact them, your senator, your representative. Well, they're like, listen, I am an Uber driver, a DoorDash driver. Like you're going to be seeing this bill. The companies have a lot of bogus talking points. They try to make it sound like drivers don't actually want this. Like, here's my experience. Here's why you need to vote yes. Um, and that's so much more impactful than any sort of, you know, corporate lobbying or one-click emails or anything could ever be because your your voice is unique to you and it's always going to be the most powerful. Yeah, I mean, yeah, thank you for saying that because what I don't want to happen, especially this year, I mean, it should happen no year, but this year is a big election year. It's not only all elections but it's a president it's a potus election it's there's a lot of labor stuff going on too many people i know really are no matter what i say to them under the belief my voice doesn't count you can talk to your blue in the face my voice doesn't count but i'm starting to see a little bit of traction with people going does it a little bit and i'm like yes it does that's why i've been telling them like listen you know say something do something Otherwise, whatever happens, I don't mean this mean, guys, but it's on you. I mean, if you don't do anything, if you just sit there and say, listen, then it's just slow. It'll get better. Yeah, I mean, we've been through that. That's I'm not dogging on anybody for that. But if that's like your attitude and it's like, 
that's where it ends for me. But I need this to stay this way. To me, I've put in a lot of work. David has, Stephanie has for sure on this stuff. And to be honest, you don't have to put in that kind of work, but you do something. Write somebody. Go go see, make an appointment. Go talk to somebody, anything. See where it leads you. You might be to the wrong person and they're like, you don't need me, but hey, let's get you an appointment with this guy. I don't know. That's kind of what I was trying to get at, Stephanie. Is like, do you think that now that you're you've seen the other side of it, that yes, people should be approaching their their elected officials. They do listen. They will talk to you. They will get it from their staffers who will read it to them and tell them, hey, listen, we're getting some of this stuff. I mean, yeah, we're we're not all the same. Uh, some people are more receptive than others, but like Fair. you've got to, I mean, you've still got to show up and you've get you've got to show up and keep bothering them, right? I mean, I I think I think too, like sometimes we are uh, we kind of expect that if if something if something is working, we'll be able to tell in real time, um, and you probably won't, right? You'll probably go you'll probably go and sit to sit in a lot of uh, you know boring Zoom calls and public meetings before somebody actually listens to you. You'll probably send a lot of emails and phone place a lot of phone calls before somebody actually goes like, "Hey, I actually change my position on a bill because of your input." Thank you. Um, but like, but, some, but it's sometimes a very, you learn it's repetitive but sometimes work. You learn you, those too. Yes, you learn like you some of the, the words that are used, and you're like, oh, well, wait, okay, I get. And you can yeah. fine tune what how you're approaching it. Yeah, you should expect to. This is going to sound a little dark, and I don't mean this, but like, you should expect a lot of little failures. You should expect a lot of little failures uh, before you get to a win. Um, and don't let that stop you. And definitely don't let it stop you that you're not ready. I was not ready to run for office. I was not ready to take office. You can't wait until you are. You can't. You can't wait until you are. You never will be. You'll never. You'll never get there. Um, there are. I got to tell y'all. There's. There are some. Some people in this legislature who. I don't know. I think they would probably lose their job at a Wendy's if they had to if they had to show up every day. Um, they are not smarter than you. They're not better than you. They don't work harder than you. Um, you're they are they are not your superior. Um, and they they right. you know you, you deserve to be heard by them. They they need to learn from you. But you even just said said the what I was kind of getting at. They're not your superior, but we are all bred until you're ready to break free to believe that they are. Like, oh, those are the lawmakers, really? Because I played golf with him and beat him by four strokes the other day, and he kind of was a jerk. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like they're really they're just people like us who got elected. They just got some people yeah. behind them. I know. I'll, I'll just... say to you, I'll put I'll put this plug in for people who can make it happen. I know you don't always have access to your capital city, and it's not always you know the time and and cost associated with it isn't always there. But like, if you can go testify in committee on a bill that you believe in or against a bill that you want to have fail, whatever it is, um, if you can go testify in committee at your state capital, and in Colorado we're quite accessible, do it. It will it will break that mythology of like the you know the uh, high ranking professional legislator. Uh, you're just sitting in a room with like you know a, a dozen people or so who are going to vote on a bill, and it's like our that is our prime opportunity to hear directly from people. Um, and we we get plenty of the same lobbyists on certain topics all the time in my committees. And anytime it's like actual constituents from the public, I'm like, oh, I'll take a notes today. <laughs> like we're listening. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's, just, um, it's a it's a powerful experience. What should uh, you know people who support you and people who support this bill? Uh, what do you need? Like what should they do? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you guys have like show notes or what that you can put things in, but um, go to it, yeah. uh, it's like leg.colorado.gov. There are two bills. It's Senate Bill 075 and House Bill uh, 1129, 1129. Um, the latter of those is the delivery bill. That's that's mine that I'm on. Um, and you can kind of track their progress when you can expect to see them in committee. Um, you can always sign up for my newsletter and I'll be putting out things about bills regularly, uh, stephaniebehill.com and, and you can uh, sign up there. Um, I think like, especially if you're in Colorado, contact your person, contact your person. That's who needs to hear from you more than anyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if, if, you know, whatever, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, it took whatever it took me to get there and whatever it took David to get there and whatever, even Stephanie, whatever it took Stephanie to get to that point of realizing, wait a minute, my voice counts as much as yours. I don't care who you are. 
and that is a hard level to reach. I've talked to a lot of, that's a hard thing for a lot of people to understand. I'm not even like, that's not a diss. It took me, I mean, I'm older than both of you guys, but it took me a long time to get there. Like, does it really matter though? Like, I mean, I still always voted and did that kind of thing, but like how much did my voice carry beyond that? And now I do know, I listen, I have as much power as anybody does. I mean, it might be a little yeah. harder for me to get heard. However, I have as much power. Yeah, you've got to so, practice it. You've got to practice it, right? You do. Yeah. It's a it's a matter of repetitively showing up. And I I'll I'll put in kind of a you know, not not to diss on social media, but like get off social media as much as you can. There's nothing there's nothing happening there. You're not you're not changing anybody's mind in your Facebook comments. Your tweet is not reaching the masses. Like yep. um, you got to talk to your neighbors and the people who are actually like in the trenches with you and like mm -hmm. people who can actually make decisions uh, that you could influence. That's I think that was get, sort of a, one of the big takeaways we you know we were talking sort of a, around the campfire after the event in Denver. I think Sergio was the one who's saying you know do it local, make your difference local. You can actually make a difference and have your voice heard. And if you get a bunch of people doing it locally, eventually, you know, the small waves add up basically, and then a bigger wave might happen. But I think that's sort of my big theme for this year, right? As you know, yeah. make your voice heard locally, yeah. basically. So That was such a fun day, by the way. I'm so glad you guys put that together. <laughs> more to come, yeah. hopefully more this yeah. year, hopefully more this year, so. Yeah. Yeah, that was a fun event. Thank you. I mean, like literally that's what that's what I'm wanting everybody to do because I'm talking to a lot of people who are at that point and maybe they don't have the same amount of numbers of people, but who cares? If you can get some people together who are that passionate about it, this is how it starts. Have a conversation, then reach out to David, Stephanie, me, any anybody that cuz all of us are listening, other channel creators who know some things are listening. I mean, there's people who will and have always talked to me. Like if I'm like, hey, I have a very serious question and they're very honest and they write me long responses. They take that time. It's pretty amazing if you actually step into the ring, especially when it matters, you know, like it matters right now. There's a lot of, I mean, like I was mentioning the DOL rule change. Yeah, that might not affect all of us, but that's going to affect a lot of freelancers, self-employed, all these kind of, there's just so much going on. We really... I feel like everybody needs to, and ask us if you're just so lost. You're like, I don't know where I'm at with my state. Where do I start? I'm happy to help you start. Like, okay, dude, start here. Let's look up what your state has going on. You know, and then, let, hey, let's have you email this person, this person, you know, like you should be emailing these people. Why don't you get to, do you know some drivers? Get them, get together with them, buy them a cup of coffee, you know, something like just get buzzes going because. If people are able to write emails to their congressman and say, listen, I can't make anything in the gig economy. I want to be an employee. Well, 95% of us don't want that. And it actually wrecks it for all of us. And I'm not just saying, I mean, I'm not just saying that. It just doesn't work for us. Um, and so it's only the people who are pissed off writing in. We need to start being the people who are, who want to change, but don't want it destroyed writing in. Like, I guess my point is, why are the people who who want to be W-2 employees doing the work, but we who want to remain independent contractors, 95% of us, aren't even equaling their numbers in doing anything? We need to change that. That's my point. Or that's my thought. I take it how you want. But there's no reason 5% should be outweighing the 95% on what we want to. Yeah, no, I think I think that's that's a good that's a good point. And so much of it, I think so much of that is that the uh, the conversation when the conversation starts being about classification, the companies win. Um, and so they actually really like to feed that like DoorDash sent some of their like, uh, you know, sort of like mercenary drivers, you know, the Dash Roots people to the Capitol a few weeks back here. Um, and like when one of our organizers approached them, it was kind of like, hey, like you're a DoorDash driver, me too. Like, what are you here for? They said that they were here to oppose a bill that was going to force the companies to classify them as employees and that they didn't want that. So like, do you know, I think like sometimes too, when we're talking about like the, you know, the uh, classification shift people having so much uh 
having so much uh, airtime, so much presence. Like, I don't think it's even genuine, to be honest. I think it's, uh, I, I, it's highly suspect. I don't know. I don't know for sure, but it's highly suspect that um, that it's that that that's who's taking up so much airtime, uh, because we know it's not actually what most drivers want. But it's very convenient exactly. for the companies because if they can make people think that's what they're doing, so you know, we just you got to be you got to be shrewd. Um, but I think you know your um, I think your take on this has been has been really helpful, Steve and, and David, both of you, because we really need to think, you know, far beyond like traditional labor organizing, like there's still a place for it and then some. Um, and I think that that event last summer was so important for kind of bringing together like these disparate camps of people just trying to trying to get some justice for ourselves um, and find a path forward that we can build consensus around. And that's um, that's exactly that's exactly what those kinds of events are so great for. So I, I hope we have another one. And I have I have fond memories of just kind of sitting around drinking Colorado beer with you guys and, um, you know, talking, talking shop. And before I sign us off here, too, I got to say, like, you actually had a quite an opportunity that a lot a lot of places might not. get. You got to talk to gig workers who were in town from around the country. That's pretty a unique perspective too. You know, like a lot of people might just hear from like a New Jersey congressman might only hear from New Jersey. You got a very unique perspective, and so did so did Senator Priola. You know, because we had people in from New Jersey, and you met Kim Side Money Plans, and you know, you met you met a lot of us that are all over the country, and so that was that's a little that's pretty cool. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. But I want to thank obviously David as always. Um, uh, for, and absolutely, Stephanie, thank you for making the time today to talk to us, because I know that we had a, a good show. Uh, we had a good amount of people watching, but I know it'll be seen on replay a lot, too. Um, and I think it's important that people hear this because overall, David and I have said this, you know, we're not like sitting here patting ourselves on the back 24-7 going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But it was a win. This summer was a win. We put something together that showed that people do come together. And... I think it awoke some people's voices. Now it's just everybody needs to know your voice matters. Make your voice hurt. So make it heard. I, I used to hear these kind of things and I'd be like, oh, whatever. <laughs> so please, when you hear me say this, don't don't think that. Like you're I've learned it. Your voice is you, your voice is as heard as you make it. That right. Fair? That's right. I love it. So I mean, That's if you want to make it loud, make it loud. Yep. And Steph will take uh what we call a tiny win from last year and she's going to make it a giant win for the state so i'm excited for that so yeah. yes absolutely so yeah absolutely and i and i i will end with that stephanie thank you for everything you do um this is not i know this is not an easy fight because you're again guys she goes up against like you know i grew up in big tobacco era she's going it's basically that she's going up against those type people who just are so evil they just aren't even willing to listen they're just like whatever so to like cat to do that and to make changes is is big so um thank you stephanie for joining us and thank you for talking to us today and if any of you guys have questions on the replay please put them in the show notes below and i will put the links to the bills that stephanie was talking about as well as her website and some other things into the show notes so that again if you're watching on the replay or if you're watching now just give me like an hour and I'll get it all populated. You can come back and see all the links, but um, we really appreciate everybody for watching and um, yeah, we'll see you on the next stream. Everybody um, be good, earn smart and uh, you know, be safe out there and be good to people. Peace. Thanks everybody. Thanks for having me on. I'm a